This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. Thanks for being here with us on your Friday as we swing open the gateway to your weekend. Now, it's been said, I've heard it myself. Brock Richardson makes the claim. Brock Richardson. What do you think? Reported that this guy always says Fridays are his favorite show. So from what I understand, the senior producer, Jeff Ryman, has gone about the business of making sure we only use him now on Fridays. Kidding. But uh, why is that, Brock? Is, is, that just, is that a true fact, that this is your favorite show to be working on with our show? Yes, it is a true fact. I... The one thing I like about doing this show and even consuming it is that I like the open-ended conversations. So we had Grant, we had Bill, and then we have um, the cut for time later in in the second hour. But then we also have, you know, your staples like Ryan Huey and now Susan Kearney, which we'll get to in a second. It just seems to be the 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 most relaxing show that you can just sort of, you know, head your way into the weekend as we talked about uh with Bill, you know, Monday being the day you want to ease in, I'd rather Friday be the day you ease out of, to be honest. Yeah, well, you got your apps to talk about, so you know what you might want to download on the weekend and play with on your device. You got what book might be your next good read to get. And if you want to play around in the garden, inside or out, year-round, on Fridays, we make sure that's possible. Let's talk gardening with Susan Kearney as she joins us. Suze, today we're doing a part two. Brock and I weren't here last week, so sorry about that, but very much excited for this part two, which we're going to be talking about uh, plant families and their surprising relatives. Um, yes. Where do we want to start? Which, who are we visiting with today? Ah, carrots. The carrot family. Well, Suze, I don't know how you feel about this, but when I was a kid, I was told they'd improve my vision. Somebody <laughs> lied. Ew, and, and I Me actually too. don't like carrots. <laughs> 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 but I, I, don't, I don't like eating carrots. I don't like them cooked, and I don't like them raw anyway. But um, <laughs> the carrot family is very I love them when they're I, hidden I like in a cake. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. That, yes. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and uh, it has some very interesting relatives. Uh, that, I mean, it might, <laughs> it's, one is celery, and it always, you know, which is very interesting because they don't feel the same, they don't look the same, they don't smell mm -hmm. the same. But um, it is an herb um, from the carrot family because it is also a root vegetable. Um, you can eat the celery root too, not just a, because it, you know, and, um, and they're hard to peel. If, if you touch the celery root, they're, they're fuzzy, they're round, and, and they've got a very thick sort of fuzzy um, skin on them, which is very difficult to get off. Um, but uh, they're actually, the celery root is, is very good um, mashed up, cooked and mashed up with potato. The next one is our um, is the parsley, and it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't look or smell or feel like um, carrots either. But it also is um, an herb, and it also has a root. Um, you can eat the parsley root. In fact, you can eat all parts of of the parsley plant, which is very interesting. And um, and I, and a lot of people don't like parsley for some reason. Yeah. I, I like it. Well, yeah. and, and going back to your celery, I'm like that. I don't love celery. I mean, I certainly love carrots. I had no idea when you think about the relationship, um, other than the fact that <laughs> it tends to be what I get when I get chicken wings, and it's usually celery and carrots they give uh, yeah. alongside. That's the only relation I ever realized. But it, it, it's very fascinating when you talk about the root, talk about eating it, and... I yeah. always find it interesting because most of these things, if somebody was to go through the different ways of preparing them, making them available for, for eating, there's going to be a way that generally we find. I joked earlier about, you know, oh, I love carrots you know, hidden in a cake. Yeah. I like them raw. Yeah. I like them cooked. That's what. But celery I would have more trouble with. I, I can eat it, certainly eat it raw. Mm -hmm. But when you talk about, oh, the root, doing that, wow. And the same yeah. here would be with parsley for me. Mm-hmm, and, and the parsley root is really good um, done, um, used in, in soup bases, so it, it, because it's a fairly, fairly strong herb, um, parsley is. 
Our next one is dill, which uh, I, I actually found this very interesting because I did not realize that it was fully um, uh, a relative of, of the carrot family, but it is. Mm. And um, I, I like dill, but, and uh, it is, is, you can't have the root of that, but all the, you know, all those, st- you know, the stems, um, they're used in, in pickling and the seeds, they're used in pickling. And then, um, you know, in different, different ways you can, you can use dill, you can dry it um, and, and so on. So that's, that's a very interesting um, herb too. I think I would think of that as the one that's most ground up, right? To utilize it yeah. so much because I know yeah. it was pickling or other things like yeah. that. You would, you, I, that's where I only envision it. So it's fascinating. So much can be done with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and and it it it's a very strong herb. I love anything dill, anything yeah, dill. Especially yeah. chips, will, right? Yeah. I will, pickles, oh yeah, yes, pickles, yes. I love it. Yeah, yeah, and absolutely. Chips, I, I'm the pick- same. Yeah. Anything. Yeah. Even even the new uh the, the chicken nugget uh dill dill chicken nuggets. I'm I'm on board for that. Anything dill at all. Dill dip, dill <laughs> anything. I'm all over it. Yeah, I I, I, re- I like it too and I and and, and anything pickled. I, I love pi- yeah. anything pickled. So, so do you grow dill these is at all? Usually. Hmm? You grow yeah, any of these? Like, I do. Like, you know, mm-hmm. Um I've never I, I used to grow carrots. Um, but I don't anymore because I, I only use uh, I only use containers now. But yes, all these herbs I do grow um, in in the garden. The dill and the and the and the parsley they're they're always there. And my dill comes back every year um, in in the same container. And uh, it it and and I just have to take care of it once it comes back because it will re. Um, reseed itself. I let some of it flower, right. so it then reseeds itself and grows back in the container, and then you just have to take care of it after Is that. there um, any particular uh, predator that you have to be careful of when it comes to the dill, that, you know, one that kind of likes to pickle itself from the inside out? <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I can go back to the parsley because... Um, if you have tomato worms on your tomatoes, oh it, they will definitely eat the parsley. Um, mm. Yeah, they, they'll eat that up. I, I've never had them eat the dill, although I suspect that they will um, because they, you know, they, they are, um, they do go after um, that particular family. And when I had carrots, the one predator that I had, um, it was the bunnies, um, the wild yep. bunnies. But they didn't eat the carrots. <laughs> they only ate the greens. And, of course, then oh. the carrots couldn't grow. Mm-hmm. Right. So I don't know whether they were lazy and didn't want to dig them up. I'm not really sure. But, yes, <laughs> they would munch all the greens. And then, and then of course, the carrots couldn't, um, couldn't grow. So they would have to be dug up. They would, would go rotten, and they couldn't grow properly. But they didn't eat the carrots, which is very wow. interesting. Anything mm-hmm. eat the dill? I think that there probably has been some caterpillars on them because I I do recall um, cutting some of them and washing um, the the dill because I think there's a certain type of caterpillar that will lay its eggs on on it so you get the uh, the little caterpillars on it I don't know what they're called and I've only had that happen a couple of times but now I'm very careful when I bring it in that uh. I put it into water before I just so that and uh, let things float to the top and then yeah. rinse everything off because because yeah, you don't it need those happen. inside yeah no no you don't want to be eating them either but nope. so, yeah. <laughs> well, at least they'll be the uh, other... at least they'll be pickled already yeah that's true, <laughs> <laughs> true. <laughs> the, the other member of, of that family is is not edible um, it is a, it is a carrot underground. It's a, it's a, a taproot that goes underground, and it's Queen Anne's lace. And it's uh, it grows in June and flowers beautifully. And it just it's I have a small garden of it, and I usually um, cut some, bring them into the house, put them in a vase. They have a very dainty um, scent to them. Uh, sort of lemon, lemony, I guess you would call. It. But if you um, pull up the root 
of it, the, the carrot part, which we don't eat. We don't eat that particular carrot. Um, it does smell like a carrot, and it feels a bit like a carrot. It's, it's thinner and longer, but it does feel like a carrot because it's a member of the family. But it's not edible. We, we don't eat it. Mm. Interesting. Right. <laughs> and for the last couple of minutes, Suze, let's cover the last couple you got. Okay. Um, well, we'll go on to the... Um, the the prim the common primrose which um, I I don't have any primroses right now I usually have them in the house and then I put them out in the garden um, this particular plant is is fully edible um, and we we do grow them here and there's two different two different types they're not related to each other you've probably heard of evening primrose that's a different yes. family so we'll leave that family alone. Um, this is the common primrose, and it is actually um, from Europe, Asia, and northern Africa. And in the UK, I thought this was very interesting, it is actually um, against, the, against the law to dig them up um, and oh. take them home. If you find them in a field, you cannot either destroy them by using any pesticides or digging them up or uh, whatever, you know, th to destroy them. They are protected, which I found <laughs> very interesting, uh, I guess, because they do attract um, a, lot of, um, the, a lot of bees and um, butterflies. So th it's very important that uh, they keep them. They're, I guess, a form of wildflower. Here we don't have as many of those unless people put them in their garden. They're actually really easy to grow, and um, they they will also reseed themselves so that they awesome. uh, they will come back. Very That's nice. really cool, and especially when we hear mm -hmm. things like that about the pollinators, it's nice to see yeah. these things coming into law and being so no no don't and and the importance. Yeah. Who's as mm -hmm. usual wonderful. We will uh, catch you next Friday on the show. Thanks. Bye. Yeah, take care. Susan Kearney joins us. That's our gardener. We uh, have a really interesting and informative talks with her every week on the program. Brock and I will be back in a couple of moments. Ryan Huey will be here as well. He'll join us. He's got some really interesting information. Some of us saw it coming. I'm sure many out there didn't. We'll be talking overdrive with him in a moment. Don't go away. There's more great conversation with Kelly and Ramya right around the corner. I'm talking to some of you out there. It could be anyone really anywhere, actually. But primarily, do you live in the Calgary area? Are you interested in being part of a live, well, all right, tape live version, studio audience? AMI's original series, By Hook or By Crook, Cook, excuse me, will be filming two episodes on Friday, March 17th. And you are invited to participate. For you, the day would include your picture taken, walking the red carpet, refreshments. Yeah, refreshments. We like that. That's always needed. Uh, a meet and greet with Bruce Cook and other cast members from the show. A gift bag valued at $75. Uh, so... Uh, did I say $75 or $1.75? At $75. For more information and to reserve your spot, just simply email info at ami.ca if you'd like to get in on that. I know they want to fill up that uh, studio audience to get that done. Now, we have with us today Brock Richardson filling in for Romeo Muthan. And I'll tell you, folks, you want to talk about being in a studio audience? This guy has done that. This guy wishes he could get somebody to pay for a trip out to Los Angeles so he could be in the prices Right studio audience. He's working it. Uh, you enjoy sitting in studio audiences for shows, and you've done uh, it virtually, and you've done it physically live. Yes, I have. I much prefer the live version. I am counting down the days until I assume Families Youth Canada will be back in August-ish, and uh, we'll be back doing that. I love it. There's so much that you do not see on the uh, television that you would see in a live studio audience. So I highly, highly recommend it for those that are in the Calgary area. Uh, it will be an amazing experience. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. Um, any of your friends ever tell you they see you when they've watched Family uh, Feud? Yes, they have. However, the audience, um, 
they have it so that we're darker and we're almost like silhouettes. Now, my silhouette is an obvious one because you can obviously see the electric wheelchair. Um, but yeah, we have had people say, oh, I saw you or what have you. And, and it's always fun. And Jerry D comes by basically every show to say, uh, hello, how's it going? And and every year when I come back for the new season, he he comes by and he says, "So did you miss us?" And we, you know, we get going again, and it's it's always good. So he's a big sports will... fan. You got to get him on the neutral zone. I have tried. He has yet to come on. I will continue to try. Uh, he would he would be a blast to have on with us. I have done it uh, sitting at the old Mike Bullard show that used to be on. CTV used to run years ago. Some friends of mine loved it, and we've sat in the studio audience a couple of times for that. Um, this was like years ago. Uh, a very interesting experience. Anyway, sir, I'll let you pick up the ball. Something we really enjoy on Fridays is our chance to chat with Ryan Huey for the Chatty Bookshelf. Let's do it now. Who knew? An entire library could fit inside your pocket. I'm Ryan Huey. This is the Chatty Bookshelf, where we talk audiobook trends, news, and author interviews. Ryan, how are you? I'm good, and thanks for having me, guys. But, uh, Brock, I'm going to have to give you the humble brag. And you know what? I actually got the chance to go to Price is Right, even though it was at Caesars Windsor. Uh, it was really cool. Not the exact show, but we were in... Uh, in the audience and the person I was with actually got called up on stage to, to do the, like the, the bidding. Um, she didn't win, but uh, it was actually a really good experience. The okay, contestants so they... row thing. Yeah. The contestants row. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do they, do they actually give away prizes at those, those sort of mock episodes of the prices, right? Or is it they just do, more of so, a... right. No, they do. The the thing she got to bid on was a Dyson hairdryer, and apparently it retails for like $499 or a, a crazy amount. And uh, it, it, obviously she didn't win, but uh, someone else had won it, and then they got to go on and play uh, the, the mountain uh, the, the mountain guy game, where it, it, yeah. it obviously the crashed over. But that was one I mean, of the climber. Yeah, that's what it was. Yes. Yeah. 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 The doo guy. That one. Yeah, yeah, I like that. That's, one. that's all I remember is the song. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's great. It's a great game. <laughs> yeah, it is. I do that uh, just you... because it makes him smile. Give me a break. I, I, I gotta, you know exactly what I look like right now, too. Yeah, yeah exactly. You know, I just humoring, humoring. I know. Yeah, he tries to break me during the commercial break, and he just tried to do it on air, but. Alas, I survived. <laughs> oh my goodness! Well, guys, I don't know that you would have survived last week because uh, we mm. had some gr a great couple of guests. We had author Josh Rydell and uh, narrator Torian Brackett, and it was a great interview. I urge anyone that didn't uh, get a chance to tune in to go in and download the podcast um, um, anywhere. It's it's really great and. Just when you think things can't get any better, uh, both of them heavily shared it on social media, especially on Twitter. And I've my uh, DMs have been filling up with other authors and narrators that want to come on. So fingers crossed we can get them on. Uh, I think it'll be fun. It looks like I'm just going to be adding to my to read list uh, so I can nice. uh, listen to their books. And then also um, Torian was really great. I guess he's a techie guy because he was able to splice and edit some of the content so it's just him answering questions and and put it on there and it got shared quite a few times awesome oh really nice to you know to have that kind of of well i mean of course as a host of the show and and the way we work things here you know so happy that we're able to deliver such a variety ryan and when you hear that people come to one of our contributors and say how can i get on board you know, for our audience, for people to sit back and be able to have this brought to their homes, we love it. So uh, Fedora's off for sure, pal. Exactly. So we'll see what happens. And then they've also started a new collaboration. Uh, and they said it wasn't solely based on one of the questions I asked, but it was, uh, I guess it kind of kickstarted it a little bit quicker. So that's great news uh, for my listening ears, for sure. Yeah. Well, and it was a wonderful, uh, really great um very, very nice. Thank them, too, very much for, for, for making time to be on the show. Uh, what's the Internet told you about the audiobook world for this week? Very interesting. So uh, some will have heard, some will have not have heard, some will like, some will dislike, but uh, the OverDrive app has been removed from Google Play and from the Apple App Store uh, just as of last week. 
Um, it's been around for many, many years and lots of libraries have been using it, but it looks like they're going to have to move in a different direction now. Um, so if you are using the app, it's not interrupting service until the end of April, but you cannot no longer download the app. So if you haven't been using it and you were looking to try it, unfortunately, you won't get that chance. Now, I've never used it. I've heard of it. I actually thought it was already gone. Um, Post-April, can and again, maybe this is a question, and I apologize to those who do know it far better than I do. Are you still able to use it in that current form until, you know, is the, until, I guess, a time where operating systems no longer support it? So really, a really great question. And you know what? So as of the end of April, the app will be discontinued and there will no longer be a library. But that's not to not to concern you too much because you can switch to the Libby app, which has taken over everything um, with regards mm -hmm. to many of the libraries that are using it. Uh, I, I have switched to Libby uh, because you got directed through the OverDrive app. Many, many times the prompts would come up and say, hey, just so you know, as of this date, we're going to be shutting down and you're not going to be able to. Uh, use this app anymore, but uh, all of your library transfers over to the Libby app. So whatever you have downloaded nice. in there will keep, uh, and it's actually pretty accessible, but I know what people are thinking. I'm very much a creature of habit and, you know, oh, I've been using overdrive for years and the switch to Libby, it was I, probably 25, 30 times the app had to, to tell me before I actually went and downloaded it and tried it. But uh, the login was easy, uh, setting up the account was easy, and it was, it was really just a pretty great experience, and it's it's very accessible. So for those that are voiceover users, um, don't be too shocked because it's very, very accessible, and I, I actually love uh, what, where the direction they're going. And I know that the Toronto Public Library and some of the other bigger ones, including Calgary, uh, they also use the Libby app in, in Canada. I kind of like the fact, Ryan, that they said, you know, we're going to give people a little bit of a runway to switch over and we're going to give the prompts and we're going to do all that because it's very easy for people, you know, just to say, oh, this is gone, move over to Libby, simple done and so the fact that they've given you know a little bit of a runway to say look here's the change and and and, and to your point i mean i'm a creature of habit too and i and i don't like change and so things are gonna have to prompt me a bunch of times before i'm like okay i'll move over here fine but it, it's it's good to see that they're that they gave people a bit of a runway as opposed to just whoop gone and done and you know what? That's great because it was a consultation of, of people that were accessibility users, whether it was assistive touch or whether it was voiceover or uh, something else. They actually brought together uh, some focus groups and, and did some, hey, how can we ease the tension of switching to another app should this ever come up kind of thing. And obviously they didn't release too much information, but based on what I read in some of the articles, there was actually a lot of thought that went into how can we give people that opportunity that that warning and the how can we can urge them to switch rather than oh, okay we're done see you later and go to the other app so i i, I do agree with you that's a really nice feature and i wish more uh kind of did it if it ever ever comes up but hey creature of habit let's let's stick with all the same apps so with that being said and so many people weighing in on hey this is what i'd like to see if you make improvements or create another app um what in your mind, with having the experience, what is different about Libby than OverDrive? What, what I guess when I'm saying that, what improvements, what is the big difference? There's not too much of a difference in terms of nuts and bolts and what you get. Um, you know, they play, you can download, um, but one of the big ones is you can actually search directly in Libby. And this mm -hmm. was kind of only new to OverDrive, but they never really got it off the ground, um, at least in my experience. But then again, I'm using an older iPod, so maybe it was an iOS update kind of thing uh, yeah. that I wasn't completely up to date, but uh, I, I did like that you're able to kind of search uh, directly as long when you're linked to a particular library, and then you can download right from there, and then the play button is gigantic, uh, and that's one thing that I like, even though voiceover user, you know, typically you can use your swipe gestures and, and find things literally the play button is like half the screen and i was like oh cool wherever i hit i'm, I'm pretty good I'm, I'm pretty much gonna hit it right so uh, i really did like that but uh, i i just like the fact that libraries are actually getting into the libby app whereas i'm not going to say they weren't into overdrive but there's a lot of let's say user manuals or people that actually use it and they're starting to learn about some of the technology and some of the features and assistive uh, technology that can be used with the libby app so they're able to kind of 
give more of a, an in-depth analysis with it rather than just, oh, here, use the Libby app and here's your piece of paper and, and figure out how to use it for those that might not be able to read the piece of paper. You know, one of the things I think I get trapped by is I think of it as the low vision or blind person experience. And I forget now, we speak of so many other people out there, and I, I do apologize others because I do forget, hey, well, what's the big deal about the button being bigger? Well, there's people with large print. There are people who have okay. dexterity uh, issues that say, my gosh, I embrace that. And I guess bringing on a, a new app altogether where you can build it from the ground up, take into account what you've been told, and take the best things from the other app and incorporate them and make them even better, such as the search that you were talking about um, in a new, you know, that works better with the operating system, Ryan. So many of those things are so important when you think of the overall scope of print-restricted people utilizing this. Well, and finally, you know, you uh, because the audiobook is so unique in terms of, you yeah. know, having this media out for everybody, sometimes they the apps are out there that aren't really made with accessibility in mind. And I like that Libby has taken the approach to kind of put accessibility and work sort of backwards to universally design what they have put forth. And I also like the fact too, that like you can take one library and it transitions into the next thing. The worst thing in the world is you got a library of books and then all of a sudden the app is takes it away and you got to start fresh because it's like, Oh, am I going to forget something? Am I going to do this? Am I going to do that? And it's just, it becomes a headache. So as a consumer, the least amount of headache you can accomplish is the best for you and you know that's that's just how it goes i just really like stuff like that right thank you so much for joining us as always we greatly appreciate it take care guys have a good weekend and we'll talk to you soon that was ryan Huey, who joins us on the chatty bookshelf every friday at this time and he's starting a lot of buzz with our show with bringing these amazing guests on uh, really the stuff he brings forward the breaking news and uh, love it love it all his work out there uh, real lucky to have Ryan here doing this segment uh, every week on the show and uh, of course uh, check him out and you can listen back to the podcast <gasps> speaking of that we've had conversations that we've wanted to add to over the past week ladies and gentlemen on the program Grant Hardy is going to join us again and we're going to get into some of those conversations let you hear a little bit of them and give some of our comments that we didn't have time for on Cut for Time after this upcoming break. It's fun, insightful, and inclusive. Kelly and Ramya return in a minute. Rolling back into another segment here on Kelly and Ramya. Thank you for being with us wherever you're listening and around the world. Appreciate your time. And no matter when you take a listen to the show, whether it's live at 2 p.m. Eastern or via the podcast, always got you covered, ladies and gentlemen. You can check out the show and check out the audio vanity card by listening into the uh, podcast. Uh, so simply subscribe using your favorite podcatcher. Brock Richardson sitting in with me today, and we welcome back reporter Grant Hardy from Vancouver who joins us now. Um, the, what we do on this segment, folks, we finish the week by going back and looking at some of the segments that we've had over the past week on the program. And a lot of times we have something we just would love to be on the air to comment on, and we don't get that opportunity there because obviously it's about the guest. We also like to remind you of things that you can go back over the past week and check out via the uh, podcast. Today, starting us off, Grant, I'll toss the uh, baton over to you if you'd pick it up for us. Hey, folks, thanks for having me on back as we are almost upon our weekend. Uh, I wanted to take us back to something that we actually talked about last week. We had Michael, Mike Fair on uh, to talk tech, as he does, and he talks about focus modes in iOS. Here is Mike explaining a little bit about how those work. Well, because what focuses do, it's it's a set of tools that Apple created in response to the complaints that people were being too distracted and tempted and addicted to their smartphones. And they said, okay, well, we'll give you a bunch of tools to take control of the situation. So focuses are all about reducing distractions, eliminating the temptations, hiding the notifications so they don't disturb what you're doing. Uh, you can have them focused on blocking apps and people. Uh, you can have them triggered by location and time and app being used. So it's, it's very flexible. You can control them manually or you can have them triggered automatically. So there are lots of, of ways to use these and uh, it, it should 
really make it much easier to uh, to control what interrupts you at a given time. So if I may, I'd like to offer a couple of tech tips on this, because when I heard about this, I think there were a couple things that, uh, that yeah, I'd like to add that maybe weren't covered as, as much. So the first is um, that, uh, you know, it's actually super useful to be able to hide the badges on icons. I don't know if you guys have ever had this situation where, I don't know, you're waiting for like a text, you're having some sort of exchange that you know is a bit like tense or, or, you know, you're just feeling like you need to disconnect and you can turn off notifications and that's all well and good. But there's this badge that shows up on the messages icon. Sighted people can see it, but we can see it too when we when we uh, touch the icon, it'll say, you know, one unread message. So that's been cool to be able to just turn that off sometimes or in the sleep focus. The other thing you can do that is really cool is you can actually use this to automate not only focuses happening when you enter a new location, but you can actually automate other things happening on your phone. So there's kind of this interesting loophole where uh, you can set it up so that, for example, when I arrive at someone's place using focuses and a shortcut, it sends a, a message to them automatically and says, I've arrived at your place. Um, and you can do a bunch of really cool stuff like that. You could log your travel uh, to notes uh, or something like that, just so you have a little uh, journal. Uh, you can set up shortcuts and automations, but they've always prompted you. You've always had to tap on them for it to actually take action. But with shortcuts, you can actually automate your phone. You never have to touch it, and you can send texts and do all kinds of cool stuff with focuses and shortcuts. So just wanted to share uh, some tech tips from me to you. Wow. You know what? I love so many of these. Like, this is just really kind of cool when you, when, and so like, and again, you, you can explore as we've talked about how much there is to know about any of these things. But if you know, Hey, I'm in, I want that focus on when I go to sleep. I want to let people know when I'm here because Grant, it's hard to sit there and say, Hey, I'm here. Stop lean against the wall, write out that text or whatever it might be. So little things like that or focus to come on when you're at certain places and you walk in and somebody's, oh, hey, hey, Kelly, it's nice for it to go on because I know mm -hmm. I'm in that place where I can't have these disturbances in case I forget to mute my phone and we're, we're on set to do something somewhere. There are so many positives that they have thought out and incorporated in this, as Mike said and was explaining. It, it really is absolutely spectacular um whether it's a work focus whether and for people who can drive whether they they need it for that because we're always talking about don't be playing around with your phone don't be looking at it when you're driving and stuff like that don't let it distract you yeah. the thing rings you're going to be distracted brock and this gives us so much power uh and fairly quickly to implement these without you having too many choices but enough choices in in today's world um it's you know, you have so much available to you with these focuses. I find that I'm struggling with uh, my my Monday morning focus in that it doesn't pick up that it should go off on uh, Monday morning at a specific time I have it set. So I don't know if I'm doing something a bit wrong. I've deleted it, put it back many, many times. But it, the Monday morning focus is the one that I seem to get stuck on. The rest of them work out well for me, but... The Monday morning focus after a weekend seems to be. I was the just going to say eye. it's probably Grant it's the weekend. Tired. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's Grant Hardy Monday morning. It's it's it's. I think it's probably your five day and your your weekend choices, right, Grant? I know you can do days. It'd be interesting to mess yeah, around. Yeah, hmm. have to delve into that a little more. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's, and it's then you can pay for a trip for him to come here and fix it. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. That's what I'm about to do. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah for sure. Uh, on Monday's program, we spoke with Greg David, who told us about an upcoming program on AMI TV called Transcending with Ness Murby. Here he is explaining more about the show. 
So Ness Murby, as he mentioned, is a justice, equity, diversity, and inclusion brand strategist and counselor and Paralympian. Uh, he's Ooh. represented three countries in three parasports. So he's not only represented Canada, but also Australia and Japan in his career. And the three sports that he's done that in were uh, goalball, powerlifting, and now para-athletics. And specifically, um, he competes in, uh, in discus uh, in, in the Paralympics for Canada. He holds world records as well as world. Uh, he holds world records as well as continental and national titles. And in 2020, Ness came out as trans, and as the first openly trans Paralympian, he's carving out a space for future generations. And he's going to do that not only through a show like Ness Murphy Trans uh, Transcending, but also on the world stage, uh, where he currently competes in men's F11 discus, and he's aiming for the 2024 Paralympics. I think when you look at a situation like Ness, who is really busy in his career, uh, as uh, as Greg outlined, but when you look at somebody like that, as open as Ness is going to be, and I have had the privilege of watching the first episode of Transcending, I highly recommend it. And I got to be honest with you, to be as open and transparent as Ness is as a transitioning uh, individual and and he gives himself you know some some shots to help him with the transition process live on the air or live during the show and uh, it's really sort of an amazing thing for me where I can sort of relate to some challenges that that go along with opening your life is that you know when you are a Paralympian you open yourself to a whole different world where people want to pick at certain things that you do and why you do them and why are you so open on certain things so for me the toughest thing in my career was that my father was one of the coaches for the uh, national bocce team and i made it seven years in a row and invariably all the time people would say oh you made it because your father is on the team not looking at numbers not looking at my performance, none of that. And it's tough sometimes when you sit there and you think, I'm just trying to do me and I'm just trying to be me and I'm trying to, you know, do what I can do to make the Paralympic Games. So when I think about Ness and what he's done, you know, it's it's really an amazing thing to say, yeah, I want to do a, a, a program and highlight myself and what it is I'm doing. And it's not as easy as he makes it look. So we, I hope to have Ness on the program for the neutral zone. He's going to be doing some uh, promoting, but I highly, highly recommend uh, watching this show transcending because, and I hate using this word, but it is a very inspiring story, Grant. Yeah, I have been privileged enough to have interviewed Ness a uh, couple times, but back in 2014 when Ness uh, had not, come out as as trans yet uh and then interviewed ness a little later when uh he was going uh through his transition and you know you you kind of said it all but i i just think this is such a fantastic show and a fantastic opportunity and and ness is just such again i hesitate to use words like amazing or, or inspiring but you know just so down to earth talented genuine i think that seeing the blatant like discrimination that uh trans people and someone like ness would face across a whole range of different axes of like oppression and just how uh, he's able to uh you know just just be seemingly confident uh carry on you know inspire others and now present his life like this on screen i just think this is so cool for not only the opportunity for ness but the opportunity to to show that ness is uh, just a talented and quote-unquote normal person just like anyone else so can't wait to wait to watch this show and congratulations 
to one very talented person, Ness. Wow. Kelly? Nice. Very, very, guys, really wonderfully said. Um, Ness will probably join us on the program really soon as well, and we've spoke to Ness. And what I've always taken away with Ness is the support. Um, and I, I hear the label with the advocacy piece, and I'm always just so happy because Ness just does it naturally. Not there to show up anyone, show off, but certainly there to speak up, certainly there to show you how something's going to be done, to teach you how to, how to do something. If you want that advisement, to, to talk you through something, always has time for people. So I've enjoyed that. But I also, going back to the advocacy piece, really think about how many times, even in school, so many of us face, well, they're doing that because, you know, they're disabled. They, it's got to be an easier road for them. There's, they're always talking their accessibility. And people have no idea and we don't. And I'm going to say we because I certainly can't speak to what somebody else in another situation may go through. But I've always been reminded, yeah, zip your lip about how much it's easier, how much that person de deserves and needs a break. They just want to move on, to enjoy, and to work through things and learn the same as anyone else without that garbage of, oh, well, they must make it easier for them to be able to, uh, you know, excel. They've got to because how else would they? Um, people like Ness just show us, well, this is how. And maybe you want to try if you're asking advice. You know, um, so, so really wonderful. I want to also talk about somebody else who this week we had the opportunity on Tuesday to speak to. We talked to Sean Togood about his new CBC Gem show you can find on March 24th uh, starting. It's called You're My Hero. Here's Sean telling us a little bit about himself and the motivation to start a show like this. I'm Sean. Uh, I have um, a radio broadcasting uh, background, um, a diploma from Humber, and uh, I um, I found my way into the uh, comedy writing kind of offshoot of of media, and a lot of what I did on the radio side was telling stories and helping facilitate stories of people with disabilities and kind of allowing that to have a voice uh, in media. The way I pitched it, uh, I really wanted something that was an authentic uh, representation on screen of people uh, living their lives with disabilities. Mm -hmm. Because I think what we get a lot of is uh, two ends of a spectrum either inspirational or tragic right. and i really mm -hmm. i really wanted to show something that was kind of more true to what my life is sean really took me back here to talking about taking the broadcast course and writing you know, writing the bits that we had to write when we had stop sets. And you'd get in there and you'd bring up something. You'd look and say, hey, I can talk about this today. So sort of like what we do when we do the CP clips at the beginning of the show uh, or come up with something. Anyone taking any broadcast radio course, you know all about this. You know about filling in, coming up with these stories. But having that morph into, and I think this is how most of us are able to get thoughts and, and feelings out there, especially with disability, not something that you would find the average broadcast would cover, would be talking about. But for Sean to utilize the platform and to see that, hey, people welcome this. They want to hear these stories, these bits, these bites, and found it fascinating to, to know these things, guys. I know as a, as a broadcast student, all the things I look forward to, to kind of bringing forward. And at that time, it really didn't involve my disability. Okay, but we see in Sean's case, that gave him that writing experience, something that he learned how much he liked, which would turn itself into sharing stories of his life that way, and maybe others, and not with the purpose of just teaching people, entertaining people, being able to help himself, as he mentioned later on, about those angry times. But I really took a lot from that, and I know for myself how much those kinds of things meant uh, as you work through wanting to make that difference and him having the platform grant to do so. Oh, absolutely. And I'm, I was so happy when I saw this because I, 
you know, sometimes when we see these kinds of mainstream shows and people maybe present themselves in a way that's more negative than you would feel or that's more difficult than mm. you would feel with the same disability, you know, it can honestly a bit be a bit triggering. And I've heard this. I've seen it before. I've seen it happen. But it seems like Sean is really taking this opportunity to just present it again, a normal, I hate using that word, but in a, a comedy show that's going to show show people that our lives are not that different from anyone else's. They just have their own unique challenges. And again, can't wait to watch this. It sounds like what he's doing is uh, amazing and is going to really help the cause and be entertaining as well. Good on, well, I'm good looking on him. forward. Yes, and I'm looking forward to see if there's a season two. But more than that, where he goes after that. And I hope that broadcast career or writing and performance is all in the menu there for him. Grant Hardy joins us, of course, as we do Cut for Time. Uh, we're going to step aside for a couple of moments. We thank Grant for being with us and Brock for weighing in on subjects. He, he and I will be back to wrap up the show after this. We'll be back with more of Kelly and Ramya after this short break. Brock Richardson and I settling it back in here as we're swinging open the gate with your weekend. Just about open. Just give us a couple of more moments and it'll be wide open for you to enjoy your weekend and appreciate, of course, you being with us. Cup for time, we thank Grant Hardy again for joining us. Really interesting topics. You can check things out via the podcast. Subscribe using your favorite podcatcher and enjoy. And if you wouldn't mind, give us a rating and review. However, Brock, one of the things we leave off uh, till now, what about today's show? Any particular segment you want to comment on? Well, I got to be honest that this still sticks with me an hour and 45 minutes later is Grant Hardy talking about sleep and how, you know, you should be getting eight <laughs> hours of sleep. And if you don't, and if you're getting it less than, you know, three, four times a week, then you should be going to your doctor and, you know, it should only be happening once or twice. And for me, like I said, in the segment, I do that in reverse. If I get a good night's sleep twice in a week, that's it. So I will be dialing up my doctor after this and saying um so this is what i heard this is a thing can we do something about it well i got panicked i almost wanted to you know send a message to grant saying please cut that out man it's okay you're leaving to go off and call your doctor i can't have richardson disappearing don't bring those right. kinds of things on here um yeah. you know and it's interesting because we always talk a lot about sleep and the benefits of getting it and and i know obviously you have people in your world that sleep for hours others who who seem to barely or take the the, the catnap and we've always wondered what's better i also enjoyed our segment with susan kearney today our gardener was tremendous bringing us relatives of the carrot we were talking uh, the families garden families uh, over the last couple of weeks with her part two today and we talked celery we talked uh evening primrose primrose and just really interesting things about them facts things that you can do what edible what isn't check that out go back and enjoy a visit with our gardener susan kearney well let's talk about the weekend folks Catch up with previous Employable Me uh, job seekers on Employable Me. Where are they now? In this special episode, we follow up with several job seekers to discover what has happened since they appeared on the show and what long-term benefits and challenges they have experienced when it comes to uh, work and life. Check out Employable Me. Where are they now? Saturday, 8 p.m. Eastern on AMI-tv. Or you can get on your wild side and join... Lawrence Gunther for Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther, who is North America's only blind conservationist, outdoor writer, podcaster, blogger, filmmaker, and TV personality as he discusses outdoor news, environmental issues, and he interviews about some tech and some tips exploring the world with his guide dog. Listen to Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther Sundays at 1 p.m. Eastern on AMI-audio. So much great content ahead, folks, to kind of get you in the gear here. We thought we'd bring some of those up so that you can get yourself ready for your weekend as we uh, whip open that gateway. We'll be back here on Monday for more on our program. We're going to check in with our friends from CNIB Smart Life. Very interesting topic. Dave Epstein will be our guest on the show, and we'll be talking about Ottawa's all-terrain cane. We always talk about the durability. We were speaking of that about canes recently and how easy it is to break one. So I'm, I'm kind of interested, Brock, to see what these folks have to say about it. 
Yes, always interesting conversations for yeah. sure. Another interesting conversation we'll be having is the sports conversation with me where I will bring you up to speed on the details with the NHL trade deadline itself. Wow, it's going to be a, a bit of a challenge for you because so much happened earlier this week. You'll grab for us what happened today and, and give us some of your thoughts, I'm sure, when we get into that. Brock, of course, thank you very much for being with us today on the program, filling in for Rumya. Uh, definitely be safe if you have to do any moving around and make a really good meal for John Beeler, who's in your area. You know, you want to feed him well? Yes, of course. <laughs> Setting the man up. The guy doesn't even have a meal ready or in mind yet. We all know I'm just fooling around, folks, as we do on the show while we bring you lots of great content. We'll be back Monday, 2 p.m. Eastern. Enjoy yourselves. Have a great weekend. Now, get out of here, will ya? Hosts, Kelly McDonald and Ramia Amuthan. Reporter, Grant Hardy. Senior show producer, Jeff Ryman. Visual producer, Megan McGrath. Producer, Marianne Dion jones Graphics, Andrew Antonello. Production assistant, Kingsley Juco. Control room operators, Daniel Penamondo, Eliza Rocco, Parker Oxtoby. Director, Irene Solomon. Manager of live production, Paula Deneen. Manager of operations, Kyle Harper. Manager of AMI-audio, Andy Frank. Director of TV production, Kara Nye. Vice President, content development and production, John Melville. President and CEO, David Arrington. Give us your feedback, 1-866-509-4545. Copyright 2023, Accessible Media Inc. Well, we had Nick Alberga on the program to talk a little NHL hockey trade deadline. I have never been a huge hockey NHL person. I mean, when I was a kid, certainly I followed the Leafs and my Montreal Canadiens being a Montreal person, but not as much as I enjoyed junior hockey. But in baseball, I found the trade deadline. And the NBA, I found the trade deadline and become so excited about it. With hockey, I never was really that interested, but I knew Nick was coming on the show. We always try to get him on, and this is always a fun time to talk a little bit about the differences and get people excited. So it's good for the show. It's good for the content, and we have fun. And these guys, when they make themselves available to us, it's amazing and quite an honor. But I found myself, and I noticed I like this a lot, watching things before the trade deadline, the guys on Twitter who break these little stories saying, hey, possibly this, this could be happening, or that. Well, I found that this week with NHL, for the first time I was paying attention. Okay, some of that was knowing Nick was coming on the show, of course. But I really found something out about myself. I kind of like that better than waiting till 3 o'clock on whatever day it is for the NBA, NHL, or Major League Baseball to have their deadline. I like the buildup. I'd rather see action a week before, during. It makes it fun. I like the Friday climax, personally. It really, to me, if I was a fan who wanted to take some time off work and sit there and watch the day, okay, Friday's a great day for it. I know traditionally a lot of these are done on Thursdays or Mondays, but... I will say it was exciting and it kind of got me interested in seeing what these teams do as opposed to, yeah, I'll check back and see if Toronto or Montreal makes it through the playoffs in any capacity. So uh, a win-win, I, I mentioned this on the show because it really was surprising to me and quite fun. Hello, I'm Sean Priest. Join me monthly for Sean of the Shed, where I introduce you to all the technology that can be so useful to us as blind or partially sighted people. Find Sean of the Shed wherever you find all your podcasts.